Hi everyone, this is Brant Van Rokel, lead pastor of Christ City Kitsilano, and I want to let you know about a couple of things. First, if you're not a part of a local church, let me invite you to join us at 5th Avenue Cinema on Burrard Street at 9.30 a.m. We meet every Sunday morning for worship, word, and sacrament, and we'd love for you to join us there. Second, if you are new and you want to get connected, let me say welcome. Christ City Church Kitsilano is a neighborhood church committed to making missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood. If you want to hear more about what God has called us to here in Kitsilano, then please reach out to me at brant at christcitychurch.ca or you can visit christcitychurch.ca slash Kitsilano. The scripture reading today is taken from Jonah 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it may be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, it's my distinct uh, joy and pleasure to have Alvin preaching for us this morning. Um, Alvin, as you all know who come here regularly, this is a man who God has used to bless our church already. Uh, He's been a wonderful blessing to work with um, on the day-to-day basis and leading our worship ministry and working alongside of me. Uh, He's been a a great blessing and joy, I know, to many, many of you. Uh, But among his many gifts, uh, he is also a preacher. Uh, So I'd like to uh, obviously pray for you, I think, right now, and uh, just look forward to what God's laid on your heart, Alvin, to share from Jonah 4. Heavenly Father, uh, I pray for my brother. Would you strengthen him in the power of your Holy Spirit? to preach your word, uh, Lord, to preach it uh, so that it would go forth and would accomplish all that you desire it to do in our own hearts. Uh, Lord, your word is powerful. We've been seeing that throughout the book of Jonah. Lord, it's powerful on the lips of your servants, even in our imperfections and even in our sin. And Lord, I just pray for Alvin that his confidence would be in you, 
and what you can do and what you've decided to do this morning through your word and not in himself. Lord, would he preach his heart out to your glory to serve all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Brent. Good morning. Today we are in the last chapter of the book of Jonah. So if you're here today, first time or visiting, first of all, welcome. But don't worry. Secondly, let me just briefly recap what we've been studying so far. Jonah is a prophet and he got a very unique task. Jonah was sent not to God's people, but to the city of Nineveh. And it's the city known for its violence and brutality. And he was sent to call out against their violence. So Jonah refused. So he got into a boat and fled to the other direction. He tried to flee to Tarshish halfway through. God appointed a storm in the sea. And in order to calm the storm, the sailors threw Jonah overboard. But this one is as per his own request. But God also appointed a great fish to save and bring Jonah back to the land. And this is what the story is very famous for, the big fish. Last Sunday, we saw how God gave Jonah a second chance. He eventually obeyed and went to Nineveh, and surprisingly, everyone, including the king, this is the city with violence and brutality, remember that, believed God and repented from their evil ways and violence. Repented. Seeing that, God relented and Nineveh was spared. Now chapter 4, the book closes with, and they live happily ever after. Apparently not. Apparently not. Why don't we just stop there at chapter 3? Why do we have chapter 4? Why do we have chapter 4? Because after chapter 3, Nineveh was spared. But Jonah was still lost. Jonah was still lost. But how was he still lost? Read chapter 4, verse 1a again with me. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. The word displeased there comes from a Hebrew word, ra'a. Ra'a. And by the sound of it, you could already tell it doesn't mean something good. Yeah? Ra'a. How come it's good? It basically means bad or evil. And let me show you how important this word is in this book. Go back to chapter 1, verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil, or their ra'ah, has come up before me. Right out of the gate, this book is about ra'ah, and about how God is dealing with ra'ah. A few verses down in the storm, the sailors said, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil, or this ra'ah, has come, up, has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil ra'ah has come upon us. And we know the storm came because of Jonah's disobedience. Because of Jonah's ra'ah. And again, in chapter 3, the king of Nineveh called the whole city to repent, and this is what he said. Let everyone turn from his evil or his raw way, 
from the violence that is in his hands. And this is how God responds in verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil or their raw away, take note of this, God relented of the disaster, the same word, raa, that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Isn't that a beautiful story? Isn't that a beautiful story? Nineveh turned from their ra'ah way and God relented of the ra'ah that he said he would do to them. Okay, enough of the ra'ah here. But the last chapter brings us an amazing, um, amazing plot twist. Now, ra'ah, that same word, filled up Jonah's heart. In the original text, this ra'ah word is the first word of this chapter. And it's intensified. It's displeased Jonah very exceedingly. You might wonder, how come something so beautiful can be felt so evil? So beautiful, so evil. We are in the theater here, and I have a few favorite movie titles. And I admit to you that uh, those movies have strong violence. And there's one on the top of the list. Can you guess? is the equalizer. Third one just came out. I like it, not because I enjoy violence. Or I skip most of the violent scenes. Uh, I like it because I really enjoy how a powerful hero like the equalizer is crushing the bad guys. Isn't that good? And bringing justice for the good guys, especially those who are hopeless and powerless. And I think, I think Jonah would have enjoyed that movie too. He'll be first on the line. Grace and mercy are for good people. Judgment and punishment are for bad people. The big question then, why did God give mercy to Nineveh? Is God fair and just to forgive Nineveh? So we're going to learn today that Jonah doesn't understand why God is merciful to Nineveh because there is evil in his heart. Let me repeat that again. We're going to learn today that Jonah doesn't understand why God is merciful to Nineveh because there is evil in his heart. The Christ this is the good news. At the same time, God wants to root it all out so that Jonah can also fully receive and enjoy God's mercy for himself. He wants to take it out, that Jonah can receive God's mercy. So today, we're going to learn how God is dealing with Jonah and his sin in three ways. So this is the three points for us this morning. God challenges Jonah, God chases Jonah, and God changes Jonah. Challenge, chase, and change. First, God challenges Jonah. God challenges Jonah in a couple of ways. Number one, he challenges Jonah through his emotion, emotion. Straight again, first one B, and he was angry. Jonah was angry. If you think about it, Jonah's anger here is somewhat misplaced, isn't it? Because we have different characters in the story who could have been angry, but they were not. The sailors were not angry at Jonah when he was asleep while they were so busy trying to calm the storm, or when Jonah confessed to them, 
that he was the cause of the storm. They were not angry. Nineveh, the people of Nineveh were not angry at John after hearing him preach. This is the violent city. Ironically, they were actually hoping that God will turn from his fierce anger so that they may not perish. They just assumed that Jonah's God was so angry to them. But you know what? Nowhere in the book of Jonah, nowhere in the book of Jonah would we find that God is angry. God wasn't angry at Nineveh for their evil ways. God wasn't angry at Jonah either, though he was rabble. Sailors were angry? No, the sailors were not angry. Did Nineveh angry? No, they were not. God was not angry. But who was angry? Jonah was angry. Jonah was angry. God challenges Jonah through his emotions. Second, God challenges Jonah through his mind. Verse 2, he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. My voice is not angry enough, but he's so angry. First, Jonah knew that this thing would happen. He knew that. He didn't, we didn't know what actually Jonah really said in the beginning, but we know. We know that he already anticipated God would forgive Nineveh. He knew that. Second, and this is more interesting, Jonah said, For I knew that you are. I knew that you are. Not for I knew that they are, or for I knew that I am, but you are, you are, God, you are, you are the problem. It's not me, it's not Nineveh, it's you. It's you. You know, when people, um, people want to break up with someone in a relationship, they would say, you're already laughing. It's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's me. They say this because they don't want to hurt the feeling of the other person, but truthfully, it's your answer, not mine. <laughs> but Jonah had all the guts to say, it's not me, it's you. And it's actually, it's me problem. <laughs> but Jonah is, Jonah is actually right. God is everything that Jonah said he is. Exodus 34, 6. Brent alluded to this last week. The Lord passed before him, this is Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Gracious God. This is the core of Jonah's faith. Jonah thought that God is all merciful. He is gracious, but only to his people. This is to Israel. God cannot be as merciful to the violent enemy like Nineveh, not a chance. But you know what? Jonah knew. The minute he heard the call, Jonah knew that God will be merciful. God will be merciful even to the most cruel city in the world. And this leads Jonah to hopelessness. This challenges lead Jonah to hopelessness. Verse 3, therefore now, O Lord, 
Please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. To Jonah, there's no hope. There's no point living with a God whose mercy is so great that it could reach Nineveh. So, Christ, I have a question for you this morning. Has God's grace challenged you before? Was there a time when there's just something about God, something about His mercy, His justice, His grace, that doesn't make sense to you? That actually leaves you feeling angry, confused, hopeless, lost. If that's you today, let me tell you this, it is good. It is good because it means God is doing his work in you, like he did in Jonah. You see, God's mercy challenges Jonah so deeply and so offensively. He want to die. He want to die. But at the end of our study today, we're going to find out that God does this to Jonah for one purpose. That Jonah can understand how deep and offensive his sin is. And likewise, God challenges us to show how offensive our sin is. Jonah said, it is better for me to die than to live. And how did God respond? All right, Jonah, see you later. Bye-bye, oh. Oh, Christ, aren't we grateful that God is not like that? Verse 4, and the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? You see what's happening here? What a humble posture of the Lord. Instead of judging Jonah what he's doing, he was counseling Jonah. And how did Jonah answer? Classic Jonah. Silence. See what he did instead. Verse 5. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. So instead of going home, going back to God, going back to the temple, Jonah decided to stay. But notice the language here, Christ City. Jonah was staying outside of the city instead of staying in the city. He was staying, but outside of the city instead of inside the city. Built a booth for himself. He wanted to stay there for at least some time. But staying there wasn't like going for a picnic at Kitts Beach. It's nothing like that. The des desert sun is extremely dangerous and even lethal. But he was willing to do that because he expected something. And what was he actually expecting? Because Jonah was saying outside of the city, we can safely deduce this, that he expected what? He expected Nineveh's repentance to be short-lived. And he expected that God to be quick to finally judge them. That's what he expected. Jonah was making sure that he got the front row seat when that really happened. Isn't that amazing picture? If you can have seated and all the judgment, all the rain of fire comes upon, upon it, it's going to be seen, right? But can you see how dark Jonah's heart is? 
Can you see that, Christ City? It is very ironic, though, that Jonah, who had a second chance from the Lord, gave Nineveh only one chance to repent. One chance. He intentionally left the city when he could have just stayed in the city and helped people keep their repentant heart. He didn't want to do it. God challenges Jonah, but Jonah decided to stay with his sin and leave God. Christ said, praise the Lord. God is not like Jonah. Silently, Jonah said, silently, Jonah said, God, I'm done with you. But God silently answered, I'm not. This leads us to our second point. God chases Jonah. God chases Jonah. Similarly, God chases Jonah in two ways. First, he comforted Jonah. Verse 6. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Another Ra'ah word. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. In chapter 1, God appointed a fish, a big fish to save Jonah, but this time a plant. And do you guys know this is actually a small plant, as the original Hebrew word suggests. What an interesting contrast. A big fish and a small plant. But there's an irony in both instances. Big fish, small plan, Jonah disobeyed. Jonah disobeyed and Jonah rejected God again. He actually made himself deserve God's judgment. He made himself like Nineveh. And like Nineveh, Jonah didn't deserve God's mercy. In fact, Jonah was actually worse than Nineveh. The city of Nineveh repented and Jonah... He didn't. And what's even more striking here is that Jonah was exceedingly glad for the plant. He was exceedingly angry. He was exceedingly displeased. Now he was exceedingly glad. Didn't Jonah say that he wanted to die? Mm-hmm. Apparently, Jonah wasn't ready to die after all. And the Lord knows this. The Lord knows this. God comforted Jonah, but he also confronted Jonah. Verses 7 and 8, but, but when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. Can you imagine how big a worm that is to just attack a plant overnight and it withered? When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Another twist here. Why the worm? Why provided the plan if God, if God wanted to destroy Jonah anyway? I hinted earlier that there's not a raw word in verse 6. The discomfort word. And I think it's intentional. God comforted Jonah by providing the plan for Jonah to save Jonah from his discomfort. Let me repeat that. God comforted Jonah by giving the plan for Jonah to save Jonah 
from his discomfort, it's clear. But God, see this, confronted Jonah by removing the plan from Jonah, and this time to save Jonah from his evil heart, from his sin. Both discomfort and evil, both by giving the plan and removing the plan. But what is Jonah's sin, you ask? What is Jonah's sin? What's the matter with Jonah? Verse 9, God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plan? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Do you see the interesting language here? You see that? Think about this. When Jonah fainted, what is Jonah's problem? It's the heat. It's the sun. Not the plant. When Jonah fainted, the problem is the heat, not the plant. But for Jonah, his biggest problem is God took away the plant when the heat came. That is his biggest problem. Jonah's biggest problem is God took away his mercy, his salvation, when judgment came upon him. Can you see Jonah's sin now, Christ City? Jonah, who is no better than anyway, but Jonah said, Mercy for Jonah, judgment for Nineveh. Mercy for Jonah, judgment for Nineveh. Mercy for me, judgment for them. That is his biggest problem. Jonah's real problem is not Nineveh's evil. Jonah's real problem is not God's mercy. Jonah's real problem is that he is everything that God is not. He is the antithesis of God. Instead of being gracious and merciful, he is judgmental and vengeful. Instead of being slow to anger and abounding in love, relenting from disaster, he is quick to anger. He is abounding in persistent hatred. He is hoping for the worst. Now I hate Jonah. But Christ City, aren't we like Jonah today? Aren't we like Jonah today? Salvation belongs to the Lord, but judgment belongs to me. Brad mentioned a couple Sundays ago that God wants your heart. I love that. I love that. But what's that mean? One day I noticed a pool of water underneath a freezer. And for times like this, I always call my wisest, my brightest, my all-knowing uh, uncle. He's the wisest guy in, in our family. We call him Uncle Google. And I'm sure you've all met him. So Uncle Google suggested me look and check the rubber seal of the freezer door. Yes, I could feel the draft coming out of, uh, you know, from one of the corners. Still, uh, but the seal, the rubber seal still looks good. So I was trying to comfort my freezer by doing what? By giving a little bit of encouragement to my freezer. I made a contraption using a broomstick and a couple of stuff so that it can just push the door and make sure that it's completely shut. An encouragement. It didn't work. So Uncle Google says, see if there's any ice built up. I open it, uh, didn't see any ice here. So this time, I decided to confront my freezer. 
I said, I need to get to the bottom of this. Literally, I was getting to the bottom of the freezer, you know? So after removing all the contents, all the drawers, you can imagine how much it was there, I saw a very thick ice underneath on the bottom of the freezer. So I took a hammer, hammer, I started breaking the ice very gently because the dumbest thing you will ever do is breaking your freezer with a hammer. Don't do that. Very gently removing the, uh, the ice pieces by pieces until they're all gone. Freezer now is working again like brand new. When God, ch when God chases Jonah, he chases Jonah's heart. When God chases you, he chases your heart. All of it. All of it. He wants to break and root out the sin in your heart. Because he wants to bring a total transformation in your life. He wants to change you from the inside out. And this leads us to our third point for today. Final point. God changes Jonah. God changes Jonah. Verses 10 to 11. And the Lord said, You pitied a plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in, in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who, don't, who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Christ said, I'm going to be very honest with you that I struggled a lot to understand these last two verses. At the first glance, it's very straightforward, isn't it? You pity the plan, should I not pity Nineveh? Okay. I, attempt, I had attempted to answer this question for weeks. And every time I did that, it's always the same answer. No, God, you shouldn't pity Nineveh. Why should you? Why? So it's only uh, a few days ago that I began to understand uh, what they mean, and it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's amazing. I promise you it's amazing. It's going to be a bumpy ride for the next 90 seconds. Uh, bear with me, all right? If we could keep verses 10 and 11 up on the screen while we're doing this, it'll be great, okay? Imagine this is the voice of God talking to Jonah. You ready? You pity the plant because your life depends on the plant. But the plan is mine. I created it and I took it away from you out of my own will and out of my own authority. But when I took the plan away from you, you became angry. And why? You're angry because you're expecting me to pity you. And that's why you're angry. Just like you're angry because you're expecting me to judge Nineveh. Go back to verse 1. But Jonah, should I pity you? No. And I don't have to. In fact, Jonah, I should judge you. But I pity you simply because I am a gracious and merciful God. Now, Jonah, if I pity you, how much more should I pity Nineveh, a big city who has much more people and livestock than you are right now? You see this, Christ City? You see this? If you didn't catch any of that, here's the main point. 
Though deserving only God's judgment, both Nineveh and Jonah receive God's mercy. Not because they deserve it, but simply because God is gracious and merciful. Now you might wonder, is this guy at the front really serious that God is that merciful to Jonah and Nineveh that none of their evil deeds matters? Are you serious? Can this God be also that merciful to me? To us? To everyone? Regardless how good or evil we are? Yes! And then you might ask again, okay, if that's the case, if everyone is to receive God's mercy, what about God's justice? How does he deal with it? How does he deal with all the sin and evil in this world? And you know what? He's done it. But how do we know this? We know this because someone greater than Jonah has come. Someone that is greater and better, the one that brings both God's justice and mercy for the whole. And his name is Jesus. You see, expecting the repentance to be short-lived, Jonah was walking away from the city. He was walking away from the city and he just waited from a distance that he would see the judgment God would bring down upon the city. But do you know what Jesus did? When Jesus came, the city of Jerusalem was no better than Nineveh. But Jesus was drawing himself closer to Nineveh. He was drawing near. And as he saw the city from the outside, do you know what he did? Jesus was weeping. Jesus was weeping. And do you know why? He was weeping because of the sin of Jerusalem. He was weeping because they need God's mercy. He was weeping because he loves Jerusalem because Jesus desires her salvation. When Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem, not only did he bring the judgment to the city because of their sins, but he also took the judgment upon himself. He took the punishment, he took God's wrath upon himself. Jesus already knew the judgment was waiting for him. Like Jonah already knew. Jesus knew. But he still went in. Still went into the city. Jonah set up a booth for himself so that he could provide a shade for him. But Jesus was brought out of the city. And he was crucified on the cross. He was stripped naked. No shade. Only to receive the violence, the beatings, the spits, the insults, the mockings, the most horrible execution this world ever known. He did that so that he could be the shade for us when that judgment comes upon us. Christ City, what is the cross? What is the cross? The cross is where both God's justice and mercy meet. It's where God's justice is completely fulfilled and it's where God's mercy is lavishly given. Cross where sinners are made clean. Cross is where the condemned are forgiven. It's where the broken are made whole. And Jesus did all of this not because somehow we deserve it. It's because without it, Christ City, 
will be forever lost. Without the cross, we will be forever lost. If you are here today asking if God's mercy is available to you, look at the cross. If you're searching for the best way to get to God, look at the cross. If you think you're good enough and you don't need God, look at the cross. If you think you're so bad that no God, nothing can save you, look at the cross. And if you find that your sins and failures are so deep, nothing can redeem you, no one can forgive you, no one will love you, look at the cross. And if you think that your life is worthless, and you find no purpose in this life, look at the cross. If you know someone whose sins and failures are so great, nothing that can save them, Look at the cross. If you think the pain and hatred and bitterness that you have right now against someone because they hurt you, because they've done you wrong, look at the cross. If you think that the world is so corrupt right now, so unjust, so unfair, and you just don't care anymore for this world, look at the cross. Christ City, when Jesus calls you today, would you come to him? Would you humbly repent and receive his mercy so that you can say, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And for those of you who have experienced God's mercy, let me ask you this. Do you love Vancouver? Do you love Kitsilano? You know, I've heard people said that, oh, I love Vancouver. Kitsilano is beautiful. Do you know that Kitsilano is one of the top five of beautiful beaches in the world? And this is what they said, the people, not so much. Christ City, let me ask you this. Do you love the people in this city? Do you love the people living in this city? People that sometimes hurt you, people that are sometimes just unjust and unfair to you, do you love them? Do you realize that unless they repent and they come to Jesus, they will perish? But how do they repent if you never share the gospel? Out of the many good things this city could offer, Christ City, we have the best thing to offer. We have one thing, one thing that really matters. The only thing that everyone in this city needs to know and to receive is the cross. It's God's mercy.